Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll. In this episode, you'll hear part two of my conversation with Krista Matlack, career coach STEM at Bucknell University. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. I was curious if there are some elements, you know, in how the e-portfolios are being introduced or maybe even how some of the content is being framed by the students that's specific to STEM experiences or communicating who they are and the skills that they've gained specifically towards STEM. Um, could you share, if, you know, I, I don't know if it is or if it's more broad, what that might look like for those that are, are thinking about it? Yeah. So right now it's just very broad. Um, so the the career course one and the My Career Journey is geared towards a very broad, overarching um, career readiness concept. But I have been working on more industry-specific um, templates. I just haven't been able to finish them. Um, so there is one that's geared towards more of let's, okay, now let's explore the STEM industry because this is where we want to to focus our time. And so I have a rough draft of, of something put together, but then it's figuring out how do we incorporate this and how do we get it out to students and get students using it. Um, but it does link in a little bit more of our STEM career community resources that we're developing in our office to help them explore specific science, technology, engineering, and math um, career paths. And then it, it still then starts, okay, if we picked these three different types of jobs, you know, starting to envision a five-year plan of if I do this, what do I have to do in the next five years to get there? Um, and so really starting to plan out, like, maybe it's grad school. Maybe there's, like, this is what I have to do the next couple years to get myself to grad school to be able to get to this job. And so it, it's designed a little bit more for the juniors and seniors. And what the idea was is to align it with our six career communities, which are all aligned with different industry um, areas. So mine would specifically geared towards STEM and exploring their, um, their career journey in STEM and potentially envisioning their future in that industry area. Nice. Nice. And I was kind of curious, you know, related to that, you know, you've only uh, been doing this for two years and have made so much progress and had such wonderful results based on what I've seen in your institution's portfolio directory for those that have been shared publicly. What are your, you know, what are some things that you're envisioning maybe for this next year or if you thought even more forward, what some of those next steps might be? Yeah, I think um, we are, we've already implemented some changes in the um, Jumpstart course mm -hmm. to shift from while they're going to create a learning e-portfolio, um, we've added a final project of, of a showcase e-portfolio. So something that students could use, a tangible item they can use for networking purposes. Um, so we have already started to make changes. So we have a template for a showcase 
ePortfolio. So the students will leave the course not only with a resume, cover letter, LinkedIn profile, but now also a showcase ePortfolio that they're going to work on building at least one experience into that during our course. And the hope is you already have it now. So just add to it, right? Add a couple more experiences in here and, you know, start using it when you email networking connections now um, or are having networking conversations. And so that's one change we've already made. Um, and I think, you know, the envision for the future is can we develop the career, like the industry specific templates and start to find a way to push these out to students too um, as a, a thing that they can use to, again, ex not only explore these career options, but start planning their future. And then we're even putting like a career toolbox in there where they can track networking interactions or track and reflect upon interviews that they've had. So that way they can go back, like after you've had five interviews to try to remember, you know, what happened and how you were feeling, like it's a space for them to do that as well. Um, so when it comes time to, I've had three offers on the table, I don't remember any of the interviews and what I felt. So let's go back and look at this. <laughs> oh, well, I, thank you so much for sharing that. And I think it's a really important conversation. Uh, very often working with institutions that may be new to the whole idea of ePortfolio, they feel like they kind of have to make a choice about whether they're going to be you know, communicating to students about the value of the kind of learning portfolio versus, oh, you know, maybe right from the get-go, these really need to be polished and ready to share with outside audiences. And, you know, our position has always been that the institution can, can really embrace both for the benefit of the students and to create tools that make it very easy for them to move things around and repurpose things, you know, hop into the organizer and drag and drop things from course portfolios or specific internship portfolios that they have so that they can really kind of curate whatever experiences and skills that they have to different audiences and maybe even create different versions of this kind of showcase portfolio for very specific kinds of jobs that they may be applying to. You know, the way that you were probably framing who you are and what you've done when you first got out of school you mentioned that you were applying to some positions that were related to soccer, but you were also pursuing some things related to science. And it's a very different story yeah. that you tell. So yeah. we've always wanted students to know that they could create, you know, as many kind of versions and presentations of who they are and what they've done to, to share with specific people. So uh, it's wonderful to hear that Bucknell is already kind of priming students for understanding the the value in both and getting introduced to how both can uh, support them in their career and that they can make choices about, you know, what part of their learning journeys, even maybe the challenging experiences that they had or, you know, when things yeah. got messy and when they needed to pivot, you know, that these stories are still extremely valuable for those that are outside the institution that are thinking about how they might fit into their organization's culture. And, you know, we always value 
people that have, you know, gone through challenges and persevered and learned from those and, and took next steps. So I think that's wonderful that you're even thinking about having students just reflecting on some of those interview experiences because they can be very telling and you yeah. know, in the moment you can be so kind of energized and talking so much that, you know, it's important to just kind of sit down and breathe and think about, you know, what were some of the things that were said that resonated with me or, you know, where did I feel pushed back and um, yeah. when those offers can come in, they can make, yeah, more more informed decisions or if they keep countering conversations that aren't a good fit, maybe that they need yeah. to be looking for something else. So um, that's, that's fantastic. And uh, I was kind of curious um, for you with your background in mm -hmm. sports and uh, coaching, you know, are, are there certain kinds of um, maybe practices or methodologies where you can find some common ground in the way that you communicate with students that might have been taking place on the field that just feels really familiar when you're working with students within these new realms? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's definitely transferable skills, right? Um, you know, now I'm, I'm not coaching. Like, it used to be the content that I was coaching was very soccer-specific, right? It was all about improving their soccer skills and breaking it down for them in a way that they can understand so they can kick the ball the right way or, you know, move in the right position on the field, um, make the right run, all of that stuff. Um, but, you know, now it's just shifted to, you know, trusting yourself, like teaching them how to trust themselves and their skills and abilities and to have confidence in it. You know, that, that confidence piece is definitely a huge, huge transfer, um, that teaching them that they have the skills and abilities, you know, I did that in both in soccer and in career coaching. Um, and, you know, talking to them about their strengths and, and ways that they can improve things. Like now it's improving their resume, improving their cover letter, improving how they phrase things, you know? So there's definitely a lot of that, you know, transferability from coaching soccer to coaching, um, career um but i think the biggest thing is it's it's really empowering them right and encouraging them and and letting them know like developing that really foundation of trust right with the student that i'm here to help you i understand what you're thinking what you're feeling and i'm here to try to coach you on how to improve in your your career journey and that that could be from just trying to give them less anxiety about which career they should pursue or what what they should do. Uh, we have students come in so anxious about, you know, which student organizations should I join? And it's like, just <laughs> try some out, right? Like, we, it's okay. You don't, it doesn't matter at the end of the day which ones. They have to be ones that are meaningful to you that you're going to contribute and make an impact because otherwise it just becomes a, a bullet point on your resume is just a line and and there's no there's no way to tell a story about that it's just i was a member of this group well instead of being a member of six groups maybe you're only a member of three and you're really heavily involved in them and just talking to them more about you know like you had said earlier 
living in the moment and enjoying what you're doing and making sure that you're passionate about what you're doing. Um, because if you're not, right, it's, it's never going to align with you and your interests and you're just never going to be satisfied with it. You're always just going to be a little bit unhappy with it. So it, there's definitely a lot of that um, that has transferred over into into career coaching. And it's, it's very interesting to see. Um, and I think I think it's helped me right um, to be able to coach on the soccer field and then now, you know, coach one on one appointments or in a classroom being an instructor. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as you were speaking, I was thinking, I know in my experience teaching that, especially in undergrad, you know, I would sometimes have encounters with students where they really felt like they didn't have any skills or, um, you know, anything that was going to, and so undecided about what their interests were and what they wanted to do. Maybe they'd just been kind of following what their parents had told them to do. Um, you know, when you're, and I imagine you meet with students like that sometimes too. Yeah. What are, what are some things that you might communicate to them to, you know, kind of give them that coaching to, maybe think about themselves in a, a different light. Yeah. Um, I think when, when students come in and they feel kind of lost, like they don't know either what major they want to choose or they don't know which career path they want to go down. Um, I guess my, my go-to is that like, you don't have to know, like I'm, I'm mid career and I don't know what I want to do when I grow up either. Right. Like I might change my mind five years from now. I don't know. Um, there's always going to be uncertainty in career. Right. There you may find the perfect job, but the chances are it's not going to be your first job. Your first job's usually never your last job. So just shifting their mindset from the anxiety of having to select something to knowing that one, it's not linked right? Your major is not linked to what you do, but two, that you just look at it as there's no wrong decision to make in your career, right? You just have to learn something every time you switch jobs, right? So either you learn what you like or you learn what you don't like and you use that to pivot you in the right direction towards something that's going to be more meaningful to you at the end of the day. And so, you know, to just not feel like you have to stay somewhere and that you have to understand yourself and really listen to yourself. And if you're feeling unhappy, what's causing that? So then when I look for my next job, it's something that's not not going to bring those same feelings un of unhappiness. I don't want to put myself back in the same environment if I know that environment's not for me already. Um, so really just teaching them and coaching them to trust their gut at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important. And as you're speaking, I was also thinking about, you know, for maybe some of the students that are coming to Bucknell that have already um, maybe been out in the field and are now coming back to either pursue a different degree or maybe they have been working for a while and want to, um, you know, maybe they never finished college and are coming back. So for mm -hmm. more of those adult students that have 
work experience? What what kind of coaching might you give them in using e-portfolios and reflecting on their experiences that might pull in more elements of prior learning or, you know, how to incorporate what they've done previously and what they're now doing in their courses? Because I can imagine that there's some older students that are coming back into the fold also. Yeah, the, I'm, there are um, some non-traditional students that are um, returning. Either they've worked or they decided to work before they wanted to go get a degree. Um, so we do have some students like that. Um, you know, and when they come in, um, and we have grad students, right, that maybe work before they got their master's. So I have met with some grad students as well. Um, so when they come in, it's, it's really talking to them about, you know, what did you do and how is it, how can we connect it, right, to what you're doing now or where do you want to go? And, and showing them that what they did and the path they chose is unique to them and being able to tell their unique story from their perspective, right? And, you know, they may not, some of them may not understand um, really the value of that experience that they have already under their belt and how it's going to help them when it comes to, you know, post-graduation job search and all of that stuff. Um, so really talking to them in depth about what they learned, what skills they got, what they did, and, and making sure that they know how to articulate the value of what they did in this new context of where they want to go. Because sometimes it's totally unrelated, right? Sometimes they have experience doing one thing and they want to now get their degree and go in a different direction. And it's helping them connect the dots and understand that it's not always about the company and the position you were in. It's about the transferable skills that you got that you can still use and leverage in this new field. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, communicating them with them might be a little bit different because they've already gone through a little bit of a job search process. Um, a lot of times it might be a little bit more of, okay, like, how is this even relevant? Just <laughs> trying to talk them through that, that it still could be relevant. And it's still probably something you should keep on your resume or keep in your e-portfolio because it's part of your unique story that you want people to understand about you. Um, and, and really giving them that ownership to to put that in there if they want it in there, if they want to highlight that experience. Um, or if they if they don't and they want to start from scratch, you know, okay, now what do we got to do if we're starting over? Um, if you don't want that in there, we have to revisit, you know, what coursework have you done? What labs have you done? What, what stuff can we build you up? And if you don't want that to be a defining characteristic on, on your e-portfolio or your resume. Yeah. Oh, and that's a good point too. You know, if it, crafting your narrative, right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what part of that prior experience that they feel like they even want to be part of their, their story yeah. anymore. <laughs> so thank you for mentioning that too. And uh, I, I was thinking about um, also, you know, as you're kind of supporting students in this process, I imagine you're also kind of putting on the hat as the individual that might be the audience for these e-portfolios. Um, so whether they're 
going to potentially be using them to get internships or try to get their foot in the door at one of these companies that you mentioned that they really want to work in. Um, you know, what's kind of informing your process about what kinds of content they may want to include alongside, you know, listing some of the highlights of what their skills are because it is such a different medium than the traditional resume, you know, where you can just kind of, you know, it's very flat, yeah. right? You know, yeah, yeah. And do those things. But um, how are you kind of coaching the students and, okay, you know, you've made this claim that you have this skill. Um, you know, how do you kind of take them from that point to maybe, you know, what kind of project or experience that they might want to share to kind of back up that claim? Yeah. Yeah. So we talk a lot about using the STAR method um, to really craft and draw that connection between I have this teamwork experience and I need to tell you about a time when I got it. Right. So really using that format of, you know, what's the situation, what task, what were you tasked with? What was your action? And then what was the result? But also relating it back. So if we're going to tailor that um, e-portfolio to a specific, because we had mentioned before, you could make small versions of it per employer. Um, if you want to tailor it specifically to an employer or a position that you're applying to, to forward on with your resume, you know, relate it back to the company's mission, vision, values, relate it back to the position description and and show them and demonstrate to them that this experience over here is very relevant and will give me the skills to help you here in your company. And talking to them and breaking down that star method for them so they can start to really reflect on and describe how they got that skill and how they're going to apply that skill at this new company in this new role. Um, and that's kind of, you know, but then it's like you have to pick and choose which ones are the most relevant. So then it goes back to what's, what's your job that you're applying to? And does my research experience better demonstrate it than this internship that I did? And trying to, you know, curate their story to give them skills, but also like, give them something interesting, right? Like you don't want everything to just be all engineering on your resume. Like they know you're a great engineer on your resume, right? So maybe the e-portfolio, yeah, we, we're going to have some of that stuff, but like let's tell a little bit different story about more of who you are. Like instead of just a one-liner about this club you're in that you did a lot of stuff for, but you didn't have room to explain it, maybe we pick that to really talk about your event planning or your supervision of other individuals and thinking about ways that you can make yourself um, like more three-dimensional, like a more whole person mm -hmm. by using that e-portfolio to tell more of your story, not just what's on paper because they already saw the paper. They already understand that. So um, trying to find different unique experiences in that e-portfolio, but also, like you said, supporting them. Do you have pictures of the events that you planned? Do you have pictures of your project, of that thing you created in your engineering course that you can show the process you went through to start from here's my sketch to here's the end product? Like, can you show that progression that you went through and demonstrate that you know what the design process takes um, and how it works? and iterations like that's that's a lot of the stuff that 
you know, they could put in an e-portfolio that you can't really put on a resume other than writing one short bullet point statement about. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I do that really resonates uh, a lot with how we approach the tools that we're creating too. You know, we want to mm-hmm. have it as a space where individuals can really use it as that creation space. So mm-hmm. not just, you know, housing files, you know, of yeah. course you can upload documents, um, but really using it as a place where you can go deeper and create almost this kind of more three-dimensional presentation of who you are and related to that. So there've been more and more research around whether, you know, people that are making hiring decisions are interested in viewing e-portfolios. And I was curious from your perspective, you know, if, you know, the, the world could move in that direction, how you might hope that these could this kind of technology could be incorporated into the kind of hiring process um maybe at what stage or how it might be viewed um or maybe even for some of the organizations that are recruiting from your institution how might they be involved in viewing some of those e-portfolios i'd love to hear your perspective on that as well yeah i think right now obviously there are are industries like education where, you know, the e-portfolio plays a huge role and they still do the paper portfolios, which are those massive binders oh, that yeah. are like this, day. this well. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, you know, I think the e-portfolio has totally transformed education's use of portfolios um, and has made it has made it more accessible, right? It mm-hmm. made it very much more accessible to for the students to share what they've done with those search committees and with the people that they're meeting with. And, um, you know, I think it would be really nice to see that transfer into the other industry areas, right? Like that, that is a very niche place where it's being utilized heavily. I I know that in the creative arts and, and like graphic design and stuff like that, it is, but it's really, like you said, when do we introduce it? Um, because it can be a lot of information, right? Um, and information overload. Um, so sometimes it's it's hard to know, like, when should that be put, you know, into the hiring process? At, at what point? Um, you know, we, we talk to students about the possibility, like, what are the possibilities I could do? If I create one of these, how could I potentially use it in my hiring process? Mm-hmm. One thing that some of the education students are, they're putting a QR code on their resume. So when they apply, it's just right there, right? So why can't an engineering student do that? And then it's at the mercy of the employer. If they want to look at it, here's more for you. I want to give you more of my story and this is how I'm going to do it. Um, Other ways that they could potentially use it is maybe in an interview setting, right? Like have a business card with a QR code on it there and oh I have a really great project and I do actually have it on my e-portfolio here's a QR code if you want to take a look while I'm kind of answering your question here you know there there are ways that I think they could get really creative of like how do I insert this e-portfolio and then 
they're still walking away with your e-portfolio because they have the business card, right? right. So they can spend even if more they time don't read you. it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and they have a takeaway, right? That they can maybe they're not looking at the entire thing right there and reading it word for word, but maybe later on after they're done, they're like, oh, that's really interesting. Kind of want to see more of what this person has done, and then, and it gives you that opportunity to. Um, share that with them. And so I think there are definitely ways that students could find to weave it in, like other than networking, like networking seems to make the most sense, right? Of, you know, here's more, I, I'd love to like show you my e-portfolio and like have a conversation about who I am and like how I could potentially fit in the company and sharing it that way makes the most sense, I think, for for most people. But there are other creative ways, you know, even sending your thank you emails and putting the link to it in your signature line, um, you know, finding ways that you're still getting it out there and potentially getting views. Um, but will it get to that point? I have no idea. It, I think it would be really nice um, to to start allowing that to be an option, right? Because I think it does tell you more about the person than a one-page resume can at times um, because of the ability of them to curate who they are in a more visual form. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know, Krista, we're getting close to the end of our time today, but I, I had a question that's kind of been yeah. moving around in my head, kind of going back to your experiences on the soccer field and then what you're doing now. Uh, mm -hmm. I know from my background in playing sports is that feeling you get when you've got a win. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> I was wondering, you know, in your experiences today, you know, are there certain times where you might uh, be coming home and thinking, you know, I had a win today. And if you could describe maybe some things that have led to that feeling, maybe how that feeling may come out in some of the work that you're doing with students. Yeah, I think majority of those wins come in the one-on-one -on -one, um, appointments, especially when there's students that have have met with me multiple times. Um, for example, um, I'm sure she won't mind me sharing, but I had a student come in and we have been working all summer on a personal statement for graduate school. And she came in very stressed out. Her word count was like almost 300 above what it needed to be. And so mm -hmm. she was very feeling very stressed about it. Right. Um, but by, we spent a lot of time going through re rephrasing, cutting things, figuring out, you know, what is the main points we're trying to get across and is there stuff we can trim down on or rephrase and we got it down to about i don't know 50 words over the limit so she was ecstatic she was like oh we did a great job today this is awesome i'm so glad that i started working with you on this earlier and just the excitement um in her voice and just feeling that rewarding like i did help this person right i helped her get closer to her goal of finishing her personal statement for this graduate program um and another example is i had a student come in very anxious doesn't know what she wants to do she's a senior and you know just talking to her and having that real real communication of it's okay we'll figure it out we'll find you your first stop but no it's not your last stop like you're going to find you just have to try something um and then the nice thing is is once you have that job 
it makes looking for another job a lot easier because the pressure's off at that point. And I said, Does it, are you feeling okay? Like at the end of the appointment, she said, I always feel better when I leave here. And Aww. when they say those things, like it just like it touches you. And that's those are the wins that I, I see now is knowing that they're leaving my office feeling so much better than when they came in. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Krista. It was wonderful to talk to you and learn more about you and hear from your experience and and insights. I'm really looking forward to to sharing this with our community of listeners. Yeah, thank you very much. It It was awesome. I'm glad that I had the opportunity to meet you and talk to you, Kelly. Good. Thank you so much. Take good care. You too. Bye. Coming up next, we'll be chatting with Rebecca Thomas, director of the Pathways ePortfolio program and adjunct assistant professor of the electrical and computer engineering department at Bucknell University. Here's a quick preview. I do hope though that being exposed to this, more students will be prepared to take on these problems because I think that's a big part of the issue is in the past and you know even kind of right now, a lot of students Right, who are just prepared with a very technical focus, you know, don't have the kind of preparation they need to like make solving these kind of problems even a possibility, right?